You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Merry Christmas! <laughs> it's Christmas Eve, guys. When this episode is dropping, it's Christmas Eve. If you can't feel the holiday spirit, then uh, I don't know. Watch some Christmas movies and and eat some sugar cookies or something because it is alive and well. <laughs> it's already Christmas Eve. Ah, I'm excited. I don't. Yeah, I'm excited. I am too. I love Christmas. I a lot. also love. Christmas. I just want some snow. Well, prob- probably that's probably not going to happen. The weather forecast as of this recording I is know. no. It's not good to snow. It's not good. Say no to snow. I'm Josiah, by the way. I haven't introduced myself on this podcast, I feel like, in ages. So, if you're listening and you don't know who I am, that's who I am. I'm Pastor Josiah. And today, I'm joined by our Groups and Connections resident, Lucas Jarrett. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining it us, is, Lucas. Uh, it is my pleasure this morning. <laughs> it is my pleasure. So, in the spirit of Christmas Eve, maybe you're listening to this as you're driving to some family gathering, or you're heading out of state, you're on vacation. Maybe you're on our way uh, to our Christmas Eve services. That's a great place what? to be. Yeah, Christmas Eve services. Or maybe you attended them, and like I said, you know, it's, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, and you're on your way wherever. But when this episode drops, it's Christmas Eve, Dag Nabbit, and we're excited about that. So, in the spirit of Christmas Eve, the eve of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Yes, indeed. We thought it would be helpful and cool and fun to talk about what Jesus actually accomplished through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Because we kind of talked about in a recent episode why God the Son had to become human in the first place, but that didn't really get into the kind of works he necessarily accomplished. We kind of hinted at it, but we didn't get into it. So we thought in the spirit of Christmas Eve, we would sit down and we would just talk through kind of three broad works, more or less, that Jesus accomplished with his birth, life, death, and resurrection. So... Lucas, what is what is one of the first things that Jesus accomplished for us that we can we can celebrate with gusto because of Christmas? Yeah, absolutely. So we got a couple, three kind of big ones here, but uh, the first and I think probably the most obvious one is the forgiveness of sins. You know, we oh, all yes. identify with that with uh, Christ immediately. Oh yeah, what did Jesus do? Jesus came, and, you know, he died for our sins and rose again. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. we say it, you know, say it so wrote. <laughs> so like, oh yeah, you know, God came to Earth and then you know died for our sins because we were guilty and we couldn't do it and and He could. So <laughs> we skip over it, but you know that is massive and enormous, and yeah. we blow through it so easily sometimes. But that is, that's the first thing I think probably that we identify with the work of Christ is mm-hmm. is the forgiveness of our sins. One of the reasons He had to come to Earth to accomplish that we were completely and wholly incapable of doing that for ourselves. So we yeah. have to look to him for that. We're we're totally lost without that. And we're separated from God by our sin. So he yeah. is, by coming to do that, reconciled us to God and allowed us to have this intimate relationship, not in totality what it will be one day when we um, you know, see the new heaven and new earth come, but we do have the ability to have this intimacy with God that was granted to us through Christ coming and, and living and dying and rising again for our sins. So mm-hmm. we do have this intimacy with God that without that, we could not have experienced and did not experience. Yeah, and I think in some circles, we tend to 
you hinted at this earlier, you know, we kind of just rush over the forgiveness of sins yeah, yeah. Um, without really understanding, you know, the nature of sin and understanding that our disobedience towards God and our violation of his law and our relationship with him and our neighbor is a really grievous thing in his sight that he could justifiably damn us oh, forever. Most, most for. certainly. <laughs> um, and actually, you have Jesus at the Last Supper before he goes to the cross, one of the last things he says is, um, he takes the cup and he says, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So Jesus even identifies that as one of the primary reasons he came and and died and rose again was to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And I mean, you gotta think if our sins could only be forgiven completely at the cost of the blood of the son of God, that's a pretty high toll to pay. Yeah. And it becomes pretty obvious then why the sacrificial system, you know, of bulls and goats and lambs couldn't take away yeah, our sins. Yeah, it was sins. insufficient. Yeah. And thus, you have John the Baptist when he sees Jesus in John chapter 1 saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and yeah. deals with it. And like you said, we have that that reconciliation with God. So here's another thing that I don't think we often associate with Jesus specifically, we kind of put it in its own category, but the gift of the Holy Spirit really has its roots in the fact that Jesus came, died, and then rose again and ascended back to the Father. Because you remember what Jesus told his disciples in John in his final discourse there, you know, between chapters 13 and 17, he said, it is to your benefit that I leave you, which is an insane thing to say, especially if you've read the Gospels and you're thinking, good golly, I'd love if Jesus was physically here right now. But what is it he says there? He says, it's my benefit that I leave you because if I don't. I mean, he says that it's his benefit so that I can send the helper. It's, It's because he's going away and he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says, that's better for you that I go and he come. And that, like you said, for for Jesus to look at me in the face and say, no, it's better that I leave. I'm thinking, do you know who you are? <laughs> because you are Jesus, the son of God, and, and you're telling me that it's better for you to go away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, eh. but, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, he's right. Yeah. Because he's God. So. Yeah, and the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, he specifically ties the forgiveness of sins with the Holy Spirit, too. To tie it back to what we were saying earlier, um, when he was preaching to the folks there at Pentecost, we read in Acts chapter 2, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So, right there, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit specifically linked with Jesus, mm-hmm. which, again, I... I don't think we do it intentionally. I mean, I think it's just where we don't think about it much at all, but we kind of put the Holy Spirit in his own category and he's kind of ambiguous and amorphous and he's kind of hanging out, you know, and, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, he comes to people when they believe. But it's because of Jesus, like after his resurrection and ascension, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was offered to all who believe, not just a select few, right? Because then you've got In the Old Testament, you have the Holy Spirit filling folks for certain specific tasks, but only certain 
specific people, right? Yeah, and sometimes only at certain specific times. Mm -hmm. Even those people, it wasn't a continuous, lifelong thing. It wasn't for all of them. But now, like you said, because of the work of Christ, we have the Spirit always. Yeah. Always, always, always. Right, and he not only comes in to change our hearts at the moment of faith, we put our faith in Jesus, he regenerates our hearts, you know, gives us a... In the words of Ezekiel, he takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and changes our desires. Not only does he he do all those things, which would be crazy enough as it was, right? But he also empowers all believers with those unique spiritual gifts to help them equip and build up the church and to share the gospel with the lost. And you think about the Holy Spirit being the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Son and the Father are, and that that same Holy Spirit dwells inside our hearts. That's kind of crazy. That's definitely crazy. That means you're a temple. You're the temple now. Like where where the presence and glory of God once dwelt in Israel with the temple, we have a similar relationship. Not exactly precisely the same, but that same Holy Spirit yeah. dwells inside you. What? Each one of us. What? That's crazy. I don't know. That's exciting to me. So that's that's one of them. Here's here's a third one that I don't think we talk about a whole lot. So we've covered forgiveness of sins, Holy Spirit, destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works destroy of the Destroy the works devil. of the devil. That's first John three eight, almost yeah. verbatim. For this reason the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, Lucas, what is the mission statement of the devil? What is he out to do? Well, it tells us pretty clearly in Scripture that uh, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the mission statement <laughs> of the devil, which just sounds great. <laughs> but <laughs> that, if you don't think you have an enemy, I got news for you. You most certainly do, and he is most certainly working hard to uh, tear you down as quickly as he can. Yeah. I mean, you got Peter using another image to describe him, and he says Satan is like a prowling lion seeking someone to devour. So there's nothing passive about the enemy, nothing passive about the devil. Not he is all. actively out hunting believers down and, and seeking to destroy them, which is a pretty frightening thing. It uh, certainly can be. It's, <laughs> it can be. <laughs> Except for the fact that... Yes. Except for the fact that he has no power. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> he has no power. We yeah. have the power. We right. have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the things that Jesus came to do was... As we just said, he came to destroy the works of the devil. If you take it all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, what Jesus came to do was he came to crush the head of the serpent, which is another image affiliated with Satan. So he came and, and crushed him. And actually, I just remembered there's this awesome picture that I think really communicates this whole idea well. Man, we may need to link to it. I don't know. I'm not going to do a very good job of describing <laughs> it, but it's a picture of Jesus on the cross, right? He's been crucified. And through the nail that went through his feet, there's a serpent, and the nail has gone through the serpent's head at the same time that's I've seen gone that. through. Yeah, um, I've seen. It. Okay, I know Jesus's what you're talking about. Yeah, feet. You know, his heel. You know, you will crush his head, and he will bruise your heel. So, like, it captures that image that it was through the cross that Jesus crushed, has fulfilled that the serpent's yeah. head, which is which is pretty crazy, and that means. You know, among a number of things, perhaps one of the most important that links back to our first point is that Satan can no longer blackmail you with unforgiven sin. That is the power of sin when it's not forgiven. That's the sting of sin is what Paul would say is that unforgiven sin separates you from God and could damn you forever. But when Jesus dies 
and rises again and offers forgiveness of sins, Satan has lost that power. He cannot, he's been defanged. He cannot blackmail you with that anymore, which is pretty astonishing because that only means that that's true, but it means you can be freed from the shackles of shame. You're free to live a new life. And we also know that Satan is a liar. And how does Jesus describe himself in John 14? Truth. He, he says, is, I am the truth, yeah, right? The truth. <laughs> yeah. You've probably heard sermons on this, but he's not just a truth. He's not just, you know, a nice path yeah. to walk down. One, one road among many. Not at all. He is the truth. The truth. He also refers to himself as the way, talking about one mm-hmm. path among many. He is the way, the truth. The truth. Yeah. When it comes to, uh, to Satan, Jesus comes to destroy lies with the truth. And so when Satan wants to come and try to lie to you and, you know, say things like, well, you can't be forgiven of that, uh, or you're, you're never going to break free from that, here comes Jesus saying, for one, no, you've been forgiven of sins, and two, the only person who does not change is God. So uh, there is always hope to be changed, especially when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you, when you have the help of the church. All these things are accomplished through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I think it's helpful to see those all come together. They aren't separate items that just kind of exist out on their own. I mean, this, this is all integrated into the Christian life. And all of this makes it possible to live the life that Jesus has called us to. So knowing all these things really, I think, helps increase our love and our adoration for God, deepens our worship, and it helps us understand more about the Christian life, I think. And of course, it all comes back to the way that we receive the gift of salvation, right? Which is, how does Paul say we receive the gift of salvation? Through faith. Yep, through faith. Through faith. Freely by the grace of God, which is, I think, the other really mind-blowing piece of all this is that all of this was done at God's initiative, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you have done enough to, uh, you know, merited all these things? Oh, yeah, certainly. That was (laughs) all me. I had it in the bag. No problem. No, most certainly not. Like you said, it's incredible that he would willingly accomplish these things for us and go through what was necessary to accomplish these things for us. And especially, you're thinking at Christmas time, we so much talk about wanting to slow down, you know, and pause and observe Advent, right? Yeah. Which is good. And I wholly encourage that and hope that you're doing that. But the first Christmas ever, I doubt there was anything slow, you know. It was it was not slow and, and thoughtful. Yeah, and, I could imagine it being a bit frazzled, maybe yeah. is the word. <laughs> I, I don't know. But you've got a very pregnant Mary yep. who's, I'm sure, super happy to be riding a donkey or walking to, <laughs> to Bethlehem, and then she can't find a place to have her child who she knows is pretty special based yeah. on the angel's message to her. So uh, yeah. I would imagine that wasn't super smooth and easy for her and Joseph. So Yeah, all those people there for the... Yeah, and the can you imagine all the people? There's no room in the inns. It's crowded. It is very crowded. People are running amok. Yeah. There are many and, people in a small place. And... That was what Jesus was born into. I just find that very compelling. I don't know how else to, how else to say it there. That he would be willing to go to those depths to accomplish these sorts of things for us. And again, that's what the angel said when he was born. It's good news of great joy for all people. And the fact that, you know, that silent night that we sing about probably wasn't so silent and wasn't so peaceful, I think that speaks a great deal to the lengths that God would be willing to descend for us and the things he's willing to do for us. So, 
Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas indeed. Uh, and of course, you know, Jesus accomplished so much in his life, death, and resurrection and his ascension, and he's doing so much for us right now. You know, hopefully in 2019, you'll get a better picture of that. If you're, especially if you're at Horizons Church, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Luke. Hopefully you'll get a much better picture of that. But for this Christmas, we just wanted to share with you a couple of these things to maybe hopefully deepen your wonder and your awe and your worship on this Christmas Eve or Christmas week, wherever you happen to be listening. So. Merry Christmas. And if you want to send feedback, questions, email them, podcast at horizonschurch.net. Lucas, you got any final thoughts? Or I do not think so. Just uh, enjoy your week. I am very much looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. Uh, have a wonderful time with your family and friends over the Christmas holiday. Yes. Merry Christmas from all of us at Horizons Church and the Horizons Resources team. And we will see you again around the new year. Mm-hmm.